let's jump in. We have a lot to cover today, and I wanted to wrap up a few loose ends. Um, coming out of Galatians, we wrapped up Galatians, our key verse, Galatians 3.3, 3, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? And so last week we wrapped up Galatians 6 from that key verse and, and, and just remembering why is that verse in the middle of the letter that Paul wrote to Galatia so important? It's important because it led into the entire section on the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5 and it led into the section in, in, in gluten's in uh, <laughs> All I'm thinking about are the middle schoolers with their donuts. Um, Galutin's 1-1, someone bring me a donut. Um, in Galatians 6-7 where it says a person, God cannot be mocked. Remember, a person reaps what they sow. And so this encouragement to say you started in connection with the Spirit of God and surrendered to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was leading you into this new life. Why would you stop doing that and begin to practice religious exercises Remember, it is the fruit of the Spirit, and it is connection to the Spirit that leads you into fruitfulness. You reap what you sow. And so he is encouraging them and teaching them that the fruit that he's talking about is not something that's produced through their effort. The fruit is what God produces in them through the spiritual law of reaping and sowing, or sowing and reaping, through that spiritual law, rather than the Mosaic law of circumcision and following religious ritual. And all that he, they are asked to do is to remain in him. Why would you start in the spirit and then suddenly be trying to do this in your own effort? And so that concept of reaping, that concept of fruitfulness and that concept of abiding is in Jesus's heart and it is in his message. John 15 verse 5, John 15, 8 and 9. These are teachings that Jesus gave to his disciples. He said to them, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you cannot bear fruit or you can do nothing. And he goes on to say, it is to, my father's, um, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And the invitation is what? To abide. It is to remain in my love. The encouragement to us as we're looking at re as sowing and reaping, as we're looking at the spiritual fruit that Paul is talking about in the letter to the Galatians, is that this is exactly what Jesus had also been teaching. And it is to the Father's glory that we are fruitful. God wants us to be fruitful as followers of Jesus. He is invested in our fruitfulness. And there is not some sort of huge religious ritual we have to abide by, it is the abiding with that allows us to be fruitful in Jesus. And so you have this reality that we talked about last week, and I wanted to just wrap up a few loose ends on this message. You reap what you sow. I had more conversations with people about this message than I have probably ever had of any message that I've ever given at Living Waters over 20 something years. This 
message resonated with people and I talked about it with almost every person that I came across for several days as people were chewing on this and wrestling with this and and hopefully being encouraged by it and not discouraged by it. But nobody really wants to hear, well, maybe we do. I hope that we do. Like, is it good news when someone says, you reap what you sow? Like, that should be great news. Like, awesome. I am so glad to hear that. Like, that's the way that I imagine Jesus would say, to, to, say it to us. Is like, hey, I have great news for you. What is it, Jesus? You reap what you sow. And you're like, yes, that's amazing. But who hears it that way? Nobody wants to hear you reap what you sow. We go, oh, hey, you reap what you sow. And what happens? It feels heavy. That feels super intense. That feels very challenging. That feels sometimes even very shaming. But guess what? That's not shame that you're feeling. That's conviction. And that's okay. It's another spiritual exercise that we haven't really um, worked out too much is the ability to sit with Jesus and allow conviction to come upon our life. So you reap what you sow isn't supposed to be some sort of heavy-handed statement, but I know that we walked away from that message with a lot to think about and a lot to chew on. And the two things that kept coming back to me, and I do want you to hear this. I want to be clear. When I say, when we say, you reap what you sow, I, I do want us to hear that as really, really good news. A spiritual law of the universe is that you reap what you sow. And so if we will sow into the spirit, we will reap a bounty of fruitfulness. That is great news that we get to rest in and that we get to abide in. But I do know that it is very challenging because if you're like me, there's things in your life that you've sown into that you aren't proud of the fruit that has come from them. And it can be discouraging to look at it and go, I have sown into this area. I have sown into this place. I have sown into this thought pattern. I have sown into this behavior. And now I am reaping the consequences. And for someone to stand up front or anywhere in my life and say, you reap what you sow, it sounds very off-putting. It sounds very simplistic. It sounds very dismissive of the process of what you're going through. And I don't want that to be the case at all even as we are diving into this understanding that we do reap what we sow, I don't want it to be shameful at all, but I do want it to be convicting. And two things that kept coming up as I talked to people this week, one of them was this, what if I'm too late? What's the use of sowing and sowing and sowing when I am right now just reaping a harvest of sowing into my flesh? For years I sowed into this and this and this, and I'm reaping a harvest, and what's the use of it? If I have sown into this area for 10 years, uh, uh, into my flesh and into my shortcuts and into my solutions, and it's brought me to a place of not being where I want to be, what's the use and what's the point? I don't want to start over. Do I really have to go, okay, I'm going to sow. Now I've sown for 10 years into this. Now I've got to pick up all my seeds. And I got to come over here and now I've got to sow for 10 years into this. That feels a little bit overwhelming. And if we're honest, really, really lame. So I want to, I want to encourage you. I just want to remind you that God's economy is not the same as ours. And it is not equal. Years in does not have to equal years out. He is a God who transplants us from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. He is a, he is a father, as Jesus told us, that sees the prodigal son who has gone and wasted years of his life and sees his son come home and doesn't say, before I will forgive you or restore you, you have to serve me as a servant for as many years as you wasted 
Let me start the clock. He says, no, son, you have a home. You have honor. You have a title. You have a place in my heart. That is the economy of God that we are talking about. It Years in does not have to equal years out. It is the stopping. It is the heart of repentance that says enough is enough. I am going to stop sowing into this flesh area. I am going to turn and I am choosing to leave that harvest behind and I am going to sow into the spirit, believing that if I just stay here in this spot, that God will do what only he can do to bring a harvest out of a light amount of seeds into the right place. And that is how God works. I want to encourage you. It is not too late. It is not. What's the use of beginning to sow into the spirit? I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. I'm 70 years. What's the use of it? It is time. Today is the day and you will reap a reward for everything that you sow into the spirit, everything that you sow. And so remember, that this is also a fish and loaves God, that we bring to him the little and we offer it to him and he breaks it, he blesses it, he breaks it and he multiplies it for his purposes and for his kingdom. So if you have, and we talked about this a little bit at the end last week, if you have a harvest from sowing into your flesh, from sowing into mistakes, from sowing into mindsets that are not kingdom mindsets, from sowing into shortcuts and you have a harvest that is painful or small, I would say this, think about the boy with the fish and loaves who brought that to Jesus and said, how can I, how can I feed 5,000 or 7,000 or 4,000 with the fish and the loaves? But brought to Jesus, he honors that gift, he breaks it and he multiplies it for his purposes. And so we can either hide our unhealthy harvest and go like nothing to see here, Whoa, I almost fell off the stage. Nothing to see here and be ashamed, to be ashamed of what, what we have, what we have reaped from our choices and our, and, and our methods and our habits, or we can say, this is what I have. This is what I have. I can't change that. I can't fix that. I can't lie about it. So what do I do with it? I will bring it to the Lord. And I will say, I'm not proud of this, but here is what I have. And in that place of honor, a miracle takes place where you would say, oh, fish and loaves. Watch what I can do with this. And so it becomes, instead of becoming a shameful thing that we hide, it becomes an offering that we present to the Lord in worship. How can I worship God with my mistakes? Well, too much religion says you have to fix your mistakes before you come to God. I think it's a beautiful act of worship when we can come to a place of full surrender and repentance and say, this is what my life has resulted in. And an act of worship to you, God, is that instead of hiding it from you, I'm gonna bring it to you, I'm gonna put it on your altar, and I'm just gonna say, do with this what you will. Consume it, use it, whatever it is, I'm giving it to you as an act of worship. Remember, we've talked about this before. Worship is costly. And the more costly that thing is, the more important it is that you get to bring it to the Lord in an act. It's an act of worship to bring something costly to the Lord, even if it isn't something that you're proud of. So remember this. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. And so often what we need to do is that in our repentance of saying, I've sown into the flesh and I've created these habits and these patterns and these things in my mind, heart, life, and body, and I am done with it, you are gonna have to spend a season of sowing and it may be tearful where you're just saying, God, I'm trusting you and this is painful, but I'm choosing to sow into the spirit instead of into my flesh and you're gonna sow in tears. But I will promise you this, that you will reap in joy. Do not grow weary. Do not give up. In due season you will reap a harvest. 
And that's the promise that Paul has for us. The other thing that people expressed to me that they felt um, was just frustration. Frustration about this. You're telling me I just need to sow into the spirit and not into the flesh? That is too simple. It won't work. And I'm not talking about just one of you came and talked to me about this. Many of us had conversations about this. And it seems almost too simple. And often when things are too simple, we surrender to the temptation to just dismiss them and go, ah, that's childish. That can't work. It will work. And it reminds me. And I want, so it reminds me, I was, I was talking to somebody and we were having this great conversation and, um, and the Lord was just beginning to show us, I believe, just show us some ways of, of bringing people into really powerful discipleship. And we were, we, were, we were going back and forth and I was like, this so reminds me of Naaman. And, and, and if you remember Naaman with the leprosy, and he was, uh, he was a ruler in a, in a foreign army in an occupied time. And uh, he came to Elijah or to Elisha, sorry, he came to Elisha because he had leprosy and he, he had heard from somebody that there's a prophet of the God of Israel and he lives there and if you go to him, he can heal you from leprosy. So Naaman being this leader and a commander of a foreign country um, and the leader of the armies of, the, of Aram and he comes to Elisha and he presents himself and Elisha doesn't even come out to see him, but that's another story. And Elisha says, tell him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And it says this, but Naaman went away angry when he heard this. He went away angry and he said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the, his, the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. He wanted this big scene. He probably showed up with pomp and circumstance. He wanted Elisha to come out with pomp and circumstance. And then he wanted Elisha to just go, and you're, you know, like Benny Hinn, like wave the coat around. You're healed. And you're like, oh, my leprosy. Sorry, Benny, Benny Hinn, it's awkward. Stop doing it. Um, and so then, then it's, so he leaves. He's angry. He's like, that is too stupid. That is too simple. That will not work. Like we have to be really careful when we begin to look at God and he's showing us kingdom ways and we're going like, that's dumb. <laughs> that is not going to work. You need to do it this way. We got to be really careful with that. But he, Naaman, of course, he gets angry and he goes, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm not dipping in the Jordan River. Aren't my rivers better than that dirty, filthy river? But Naaman's servant had this moment of clarity. And he said to him, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, just wash and be cleansed? How much more would you do that? There was no quick fix for Naaman. He wanted that wave, wave the hand and make it all better. When Naaman realized that he had to play a part, he humbled himself, to humble himself, to do something that he didn't want to do, to make a fool of himself, to lower himself or whatever the case may be, he left in a rage. But then the question came, if he'd asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? Why did he want to do something great? Probably so that he could go home and be like, look what I did. I did this great thing and God rewarded me and now I don't have leprosy anymore. 
And I think about this story because if we're asking the question, if we're saying, man, I feel frustration when you tell me that it's as simple, the kingdom is as simple as you reap what you sow. If you sow into the flesh, you get the flesh. You, re- you get a reward of flesh of destruction. Things begin to fall apart. You re- sow into the spirit, you reap life from the spirit, the eternal life, not just an eternal destination, but the reality of a life with God. You reap that. Is it that simple? Can it be that easy? That's where I think of Naaman because we want quick fixes. God, if I just bring you my thing, my problem, this thing, will you not come out and wave your hand over my problem, my marriage, my this, my that? Won't you just make it all go away and make it? Well, no, we don't want it to go away. That'd be, that's not what we're teaching. Won't you make it all better? We want that. Or we want an epic quest. This is guys especially. Guys are like, I want to, if we're talking marriages or whatever, I want to get, I want to, I want my marriage to be better. Give me an epic quest to perform for my wife. And I'm like, what if you just show up for her for five minutes a day in a way that you haven't before? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. What if I build her a house? It won't do a house, won't do her any good if you're not showing up for her in the most simple way to meet her needs emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. Like, what if you just showed up for five minutes? And guys, we're, we, guys, we're like, I want, to, I want to get into shape. I want to get into shape. So we go to the gym like for one day for three hours. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, oh, that was awesome. I feel like I'm in great shape again. I'm like, ooh, 25 years old. No, if we want to get into shape, we have to go to the gym every day. Even if it's only 20 minutes a day, it will do so much better than once a month for three hours. (laughs) But guys, this is how we are wired. I don't know, women too. I'm not trying to divide the room. You guys are like, yeah, you guys are the worst. Well, women, let me say, I'm kidding. I just know as men that we are prone to this temptation towards a quest. We want a quick fix. We want a quest. And Jesus doesn't meet us in either of those places. Instead, he asks us a question. Will you follow me daily? And we're like, that won't work. (laughs) Will you sow into the spiritual things? Even if it's only, if you're not reading your word, would you read your word for three minutes? You can't start small enough. You can't, it's not even me. I can't tell you who said it, but it's someone in this room. And they said it to me and I was like, yes. You can't start small enough. Just start, just start. Begin to sow into the spiritual things and you will reap a reward. We are not trying to find a quest to make everything better and say, look at what I did for God and therefore he rewarded me and he made my life healthy, my, my mind healthy, my behavior healthy. He broke this addiction, he broke this habit, he rescued my marriage I, because I did this epic thing for him. No, the small thing over a long period of time equates to big things in God's kingdom. So let's not be like Naaman that's just frustrated because we didn't get our quick fix. Let's not be like Naaman who won't do this small dipping in the water because he wanted to do something amazing. And eventually, as you guys know the story, Naaman listened to his servant. He was like, you're right, I'll go down and I'll do it. And he dipped into the water and he came out clean and whole and a miracle took place to God's glory and not to Naaman's glory. 
I want to give you an illustration that I use in my life. I read a book. Uh, I've told you guys this story before, a book that has stuck with me for years from the time when um, Chip Kelly was the coach of the, of the Oregon Ducks. And um, he, had a, he read a book, and there was a book that he referenced a ton a lot when he was the coach, and it was Water the Bamboo. And, uh, and this morning we're talking about parables, and this is a good kind of a little parable, um, but more of an illustration. And so this book, Water the Bamboo by Greg Bell, he talks in it, he's talking about doing small things over a long period of time and how it brings great benefit. And in Water the Bamboo, he's talking about great timber bamboo. And this thing about great timber bamboo is that when you plant it, it begins to take root up to 100 yards in every direction it's taking root. But you don't see that. And it takes so long to grow that root system that it's up to three years before it breaks the ground. And so the person who is farming this great timber bamboo has to go out every day and water the dirt and take care of this dirt. And after a year looking at it, going, surely there will be something there. This surely is the person that hangs out with us when we're, when we're gardening. Surely there will be something coming out of the dirt. And Shirley's like, there's not, it's been a year. And then we go, okay, well, we'll come back after two years. And we go, surely there will be something after two years. And there is nothing after two years. And maybe after three years, there will be something. And there's still nothing. But then the cool thing about giant timber bamboo is that once it breaks the surface, it grows 90 feet in 60 days, a foot and a half a day. And I love that. I love that reality because to me, that is what spiritually sowing looks like. You will sow into areas where you will look and go, I'm gonna continue to do this thing that I know that Jesus is asking me to do. I'm gonna continue to sow into the spiritual disciplines. I'm gonna continue to pour into this place even when I don't see anything happening because I know in the spiritual realm that God is concerned much more with the root system of my life than anything else. And so I am pouring water onto this plot of land, believing that there is a root system that is going out out, 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 and in due season, say it with me, in due season, if anybody could find due season on their dang calendars, let me know when it is, because I was looking for it, and I was like, when is, when is due season? I would like for due season to show up, but in due season, you will reap a reward. You will experience fruitfulness. All you have to do is keep watering the ground seeding and watering the ground. Water the bamboo, water the bamboo. What are you doing in your life? What are you doing in your marriage? What are you doing in your, uh, in your Bible time, in your study time, in your prayer life, in your fasting life? What are you doing in any area of your life right now that you are not looking for a harvest for except maybe two years, three years, five years down the road? And you're like uh, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes? We're all about like, hey, let's go, let's go. We want that quick fruitfulness. But in God's economy, we are watering the bamboo. And we're gonna go out there and we're gonna say, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. But when it breaks surface, a foot and a half a day, just massive growth. And that's what I want us to see in our life. But when you do the simple things, do the simple things, even when life or your flesh opposes them or it is seemingly not working, in due season, you will reap a harvest. What are the simple things? Let's learn and follow the way of Jesus together. How? 
I believe the simple things are following the way of Jesus. And we need to learn the way of Jesus together. And how are we gonna do that? We're gonna do that by learning what Jesus taught. And that's what our next series is about, is the parables of Jesus. This is the problem. Learning what Jesus taught isn't quite as simple as it sounds because Jesus always taught in riddles. Just kidding, they're not riddles, parables. Matthew 13, Jesus said, all these things, or it said, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak to them that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. And so Jesus is inviting us to learn his way. We wanna learn his way together. And the way we're gonna do that is by studying his teaching and studying his parables. But we know parables can be extremely confusing. So my, um, my assignment to you today was to give you an introduction to our series on parables. So if you could all just take a little comma and a pause, we are now going to transition to a little bit of a teaching opportunity. Okay, so we cleaned up our loose ends from Galatians 6, right? Everybody's feeling good. When I say you reap what you sow, everyone goes, yes, that is good news. That is not shame. That is good news. You reap what you sow in due season. Okay, but now I want to talk to you about this next series that we're going 